These women are incredible and beautiful and talented. You just need someone to, to showcase all the layers that are there and highlight them. From EXP DET, a lifestyle magazine and podcast bringing you the best of what Detroit has to offer, I'm your host, Lou Goldhaber, and guess what, folks? We are back! We've been on a little bit of hiatus due to what's going on in the world, but I'm super excited that the podcast is back, and we're recording today from the congregation, which is like this super cool 1920s church in Detroit's Boston Edison neighborhood that was revived by none other than Amy Peterson, who is also the CEO and co-founder of Rebel Nell. How you doing, my friend? I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Lou. The honor is all mine. Thank you. I feel so excited that we're, we're back up and running. It's been since March since we did this, and I'm so excited you're the first podcast we're back up and doing it with. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be seen. Right? This is great. Thank we you. are back to some level of normalcy, which is super, super cool, and I appreciate you taking time out of your day. We're sitting in this amazing facility, which I encourage everybody to come out and check out. It's gorgeous. You did an amazing job. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So I want to start first by letting our audience know who you are and just kind of your story and how you started doing what you're doing. Sure. Happy to share it. Um, I, oh God, where do I start? I, uh, what brought me to Detroit? I think we'll, we'll go there. It, it goes back to actually when I was 14 years old. I'm originally from outside the Buffalo, New York area, a small town called Jamestown. And at about 14, I wanted to work in baseball. It was a dream that I had very early on, and I really set out to do that um, with my education and experiences, and uh, went to college, went to law school, went to business school, really wanted to have a well-rounded brain that would help me compete in what was uh, arguably a primarily male-dominated world, and I had a great interest in being the first female general manager of a major league baseball team. That's like what, it. Like, yeah, that's what yeah. drove me, um, and uh, I after all of the schooling, I really just applied to work for free to almost every um, Major League Baseball team except the Yankees. I just couldn't in good conscience. I know. I'm sorry. See, I knew I liked you from the moment you <laughs> sat down. That, like, you just left the Yankees. 31 out of 32 applications left the Yankees off the table. Yes, I did. And I, uh, I received rejection letters from every team that I sent out um, a, a resume to. And then finally, actually, after three rejection letters... Uh, again, this was just to work for free and be an intern. I, I finally had an opportunity to come here with the Detroit Tigers in 2007, and that's what brought me to Detroit. Um, I fell in love with the city where I was living at the time was right next to a well-known shelter uh, called COTS, incredible organization if, if you don't know about it. And I would have conversations with the residents. These were amazing women who inspired me because of the challenging situations they left in search of a better opportunity, not only for themselves, but for their family members. And this, along with being a woman in the sports world, really was sort of the impetus for creating Rebel Nell um, back in the day. And that's now what I'm doing full time. So tell us, what, what is, for those that don't know, I mean, I know it well, but... What is Rebel Nell? Yeah, Rebel Nell is a company that I started with my business partner in 2013 with the sole, uh, the sole reason for, for existing is to employ, educate, and empower women with barriers to employment. We hire directly from seven local shelters here. Our focus is primarily on women who've uh, been faced with homelessness, who are refugees, or have been formerly incarcerated. 
Um, and we provide not only the employment opportunity and provide a good living wage, but we also provide all the wraparound support so that they then can transition to a life of independence after approximately two years of working with us. And what we do to support the business and to train our team members is we make jewelry out of really unique materials like fallen graffiti that we collect once it falls off the walls in Detroit. Super cool. So was your personal story with baseball and like that feeling of rejection what sparked this entire thing? I think it had a lot to do with it. Um, and it wasn't until you know maybe like three or four years into starting Rebel Nell uh, that I really realized how much of my energy and maybe my frustrations of working in sports and, and you know, stories of, of other women and myself included that you know, weren't as empowered as, as maybe we could have been, that that translated into putting so much energy into Rebel Nell. Uh, I, never, I never thought that that's what I would be doing full time. I really thought once I got into baseball, I would never leave. And I just had this internal tug that I couldn't, I couldn't fight anymore. And I, I went all in in 2018. And so like, this is really like the classic entrepreneur story, right? Like some internal impulse like sets you on a trajectory to start this incredible business and this place we're sitting in. Do you feel like you're living that true like entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, and I didn't realize how much of a love I had for being an entrepreneur. I, I and I realize now again, you, you reflect back on your childhood and and things that you did in life. I, I I really always had it. I just never I never thought of it that way. I never thought I'd own my own business. I but I certainly had all these little side hustles when I was a really little kid, you know, starting with a lemonade stand and selling bracelets out of my lockers and just finding ways to be creative and engage your friends and somehow have some money left over at the end of the day. So, so tell the audience, what is tea? So it's a really cool acronym that's not a drink, but it's really cool. But explain to the audience what tea means to you. Tea is Teach, Empower, Achieve. Uh, that is the nonprofit arm of Rebel Now that we started in 2016. Uh, a little bit of backstory as to why T had started. So Rebel Nell itself is a social enterprise, and we are a limited low-profit liability company. The goal with Rebel Nell is to prove that you can make a difference in the world and still make a profit. And when we were doing this, we, we offer financial literacy classes, business education, life wellness, housing resources, legal aid, you name it. I'm really proud of the work that we do that's it's like such a deep dive. And we also offer microloans. So rewind to 2016, it was a really rough year across the board. Like we almost shut the company down several times. Um, and one of our teammates was eligible for a microloan. And we have a very, they're interest free, no questions asked. And you just have to have worked for us for you know, a very small period of time in order to be eligible. I said, yeah, you do, you, you're absolutely eligible. I literally don't have the money in my bank account. I said, you know, I'm gonna give it to you personally. But that was my aha moment where it's like, how can we make sure that the supportive services we're offering will always be there, no matter the ebb and flow of the business? And then I started studying social enterprises, and it turns out that was a very common thing to do, mm -hmm. that they have a nonprofit that really supports the wraparound. And that's been the best thing that's ever happened to us because we've been able to bring a caseworker on full-time, a program director, so that we're always able to make sure that the curriculum, the women come first, it just keeps it at a very good balance for us. And then the objective of T overall, you know, we're still figuring things out and, and making sure we're, we've got our ducks in a row, but then the objective of T that it will not just serve Rebel Nell, that it will go on and serve other companies that, that want to be socially focused and maybe want to hire a challenged population. 
we can come in and offer that support to them so that they have the groundwork and they don't need to worry about it where the goal of the business owner should be, how do I keep making sales? Because if I don't make sales, I don't have a business in order to employ people. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you kind of have this weird juxtaposition of like profitable business and enterprise over here, yet trying to make a social impact with T over here. Do you like that struggle or dichotomy or is it like the lines that get blurred and it's challenging to manage? I think for a while the lines were, were blurred. We've, it's far more clearly defined now. And you know, we look at, at Rebel Nell's role is that we're providing the employment, we provide the workforce development. Rebel Nell actually pays the women to take the classes, so they're all on the clock when they're doing that. And that's, but we needed somebody that was an expert in the field um, and that could grow beyond just Rebel Nell and help as many people, because we know that Rebel Nell is only limited to how many people we can employ because of the, the jewelry sales, where now T can eventually live on its own and help tons of other organizations, so our reach would be much greater. So finding that balance certainly took some time, and I'm not sure we're exactly there, but we're a heck of a lot closer. So let's talk about some of the success stories, right? Because all the entrepreneurs we talk to on this show it always starts with some like weird internal struggle, they're battling through it, and then boom, there's like the magic happens and there's the success story. What was that success story for you where you were like, we did it, we're onto something? Two that really stick out from early on, um, and actually I just saw it pop up in my you know, Facebook memories today of seven years ago this week, Diana and I pitched at Detroit Soup um, and it was hotter in blazes. I was so sweaty, I was so nervous. We had this crazy idea to make jewelry out of fallen graffiti and empower women. And you think your ideas are good, but they do sound crazy telling them to other people, right? When you say, I the, still, words, when you say the words out loud, they yeah, sound crazy. I yeah, I still sometimes, I, I talk about Rebel and I'm like, this is just a weird business, but I, I love it. So anyway, that was our first time really putting it out to the public. And Detroit Soup is so special because it's, it's I love that the playing field is equal. It really gives all entrepreneurs an opportunity because no technology, you can't have it. Um, it's just your passion and your pitch. You have four minutes. And we had some incredible other organizations that we were up against. Um, and then it's you pay $5 and you get a soup, a salad, and a vote. And it's very democratic. They handwrite the, who they think should win. And you break bread literally over who had the better pitch. Why did you like it? And we won. And we left with, oh, like, I can't even remember, but, you know, it was like $1,400 in a little brown bag. It's literally what they hand you. And I, that to me was, A, we had already, yes, we had financially exhausted ourselves, you know, getting the business up and running, but it was more than the money for me. For me, it was when you have a community of Detroiters who are there believing in you and they felt confident enough to invest in you, right? With the proof their proof of concept. Yeah, yeah, and that that was so powerful. Uh, you know, that that just gave us the boost of confidence that we needed to to really go full force. So that was one story. And then another one, um, we had hired our first uh, group of women from the shelter. And what something else that we really believe in is teaching them you know, customer service and selling your product. I'm a big believer in that because I believe if you can pitch your product, you can pitch yourself. It's really important for you know, the next career phase for you. And we were doing an event at Rust Belt. We couldn't afford a good booth. We were right by the door. It was like 
February, sub 20, you know, it was so cold and the doors kept opening and we were just like, you know, trying to sell it. All your memories are either super hot yeah. or super cold. <laughs> it's also kind of Michigan too, right? Like you, nowhere in between, nowhere in between You're sweating or freezing. Yes. And, um, uh, we had our, one of our, our incredible women was there and, and I was teaching her how to pitch the, the jewelry. And this woman came up, she was like, I love this piece. What is this? And frankly, I thought it was such an unattractive piece, but I learned early on that my opinion doesn't matter. Like, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But it was just a unique shape. And the woman's like, I love this. I don't know what it's made out of, uh, but it's really cool. And I said, well, it's made from fallen graffiti, and we empower women with our organization. And she's like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Uh, But it's a little too expensive for me, so I'm going to think about it. And I turned to uh, Trish, who was there with me, and I said, don't take offense to this, but it's likely she won't come back, right? We've all been there where a customer says, uh, I'm going to think about I'm it. Gonna, and I was like, yeah. she's probably not going to come back. Let's just be real about the situation. Sure enough, she came back about an hour later, and she she was having hot flashes. Because I remember she was just like, I can't stop thinking about this necklace. It's way out of my price range. And she had a friend there who was like carrying her overcoat and and scarf, but, but I need to have this. And I said, well, you need to meet the artist, too. And, you know, Trish had made this piece. And she said, please take a picture with me. Tell me about the piece. And Trish walked through why she had designed this piece. And, like, and then the woman asked her for an autograph. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. And then um, the woman made the purchase, and she left. And Trish was there with her two kids. And she just broke down on the floor in the middle of Rust Belt, crying so hard. And I joined her and I'm like just tears like we we were certainly like not intentionally but like causing a mini scene because we were right by the exit causing a mini scene (laughs) I like it and I said yeah that was really cool she's like I made that I made that piece and that woman's now gonna wear something that I envisioned and I was just that was a big moment for me I can tell you're still kind of I I always get um emotional talking about it because it was just so powerful and um, Trish, she was like, I got to go back to the shop. I got to make some more pieces. I was like, it's Sunday. You're going to have plenty of time to make more pieces. Like, don't worry about it. But this is, this is really cool. Like, you are an artist, and you have this vision, and people believe in you, and it's not just me. And so I think realizing we actually didn't put a, a, a pin in, in how important the evolution of the jewelry was at first into the progression of the women and, and their confidence building. And now that plays such an integral part in our curriculum, like making your first piece is a really big deal. Yeah, and we talk to a lot of artists, and we I, between you know photographers and, and painters and people we've had on, on the podcast, and they all have that first story of when they saw their art on the wall, and then when they saw their art on, in someone's home, and they have the same reaction that you just described, which is this, this magical moment of, of someone is like appreciating my work and, and the passion that I put into making it. And that's like a really special thing that you've now morphed into an entire business, which is incredible. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's believing in somebody, and yeah. that's so powerful. So I want to talk about a couple, couple of the projects, and, and in particular the jewelry you've made from those projects. Some of these buildings in Detroit are iconic. I mean, my family, we bought a pair of cufflings that were, I think were the Michigan train station cufflings for my nephew. Oh, thank you. And it was just a couple years back. And he loved them because it, like, it wasn't just like a normal pair of cufflings. It, it had a story, and it came with the building's history. Like, why do you pick those buildings? I mean, you can pick graffiti from anywhere, but why do you do those? Um, I think part of what we realized a few years ago is 
in addition to everything else we do, we have this ability to be preservationists. And, um, you know, we think about just the stuff, you know, we have a very strict no-peel policy. We pick it up once it's on the ground, and then we repurpose it. We take it through a special process to reveal the layers. So it's kind of bringing out that historical element of all the layers that made up that piece. Um, and we had always dreamed of doing something with the train station because of, obviously, it's such an iconic building here, but there's such a, so much symbolism too, right? Um, I good think and bad. Good and bad. And, and so much of also what we're doing too, I think is um, reflective of how maybe society thinks about who we're employing. And it's kind of this, you know, shame on them in a way situation, but it's also hopefully a learning and educating experience that these women are incredible and beautiful and talented. You just need someone to, to showcase all the layers that are there and highlight them. And we do that through Rebel Nell and then, okay, well, how can we do this with other cool things around the city? And Michigan Central Station was also like a big one on our list. Because to some degree you're, I mean, I was talking about it earlier with, with um, someone on our team is that these buildings have, like you said, good history and bad history. And mm -hmm. some of the graffiti on them, some might argue is not necessarily good history, but you're preserving the story, good or bad. Right. And I think that's, you said the word is actually quite interesting was kind of preservationist yeah you're like conserving history and jewelry which is a really interesting concept is that what you set out to do or was it just kind of no. happen that way no this is all an evolution, evolution of figure out what's next um and you know for example we just did um a collection with the detroit pistons in the palace mm. was there graffiti on that building there was none it was the first time we did a whole collection with not a drop of paint in it okay we used fabric from the seats and wallpaper from inside the championship locker room. And that was a big aha moment as well, is that to be able to, th and what's really cool is there still keeps that one of a kind feel and vibe and actual um, uniqueness of the pieces. Like, so how does, wait, we gotta, you gotta tell me, how does that work? Like do you call someone up at the Pistons and say, hey, we wanna come in and ransack the place? I mean, what, what, how does that work? Kind of, well, it started um, about a year and a half ago. And I think part of the tie-in that I, I have with sports has been helpful in, in, in some of those connections and those relationships that I had. Cause I was with the Tigers for like 11 years. And um, it first started where our, we used to be located in Pony Ride. Rebel Nell was located in Pony Ride. And I was driving by the Joe Lewis. And I kid you not when I tell you the, um, the sidewalk over by the river was just filled with red paint chips. Filled. And I was like, cha-ching! Like, that's literally what went through my mind. I called one of my team members. I was like, meet me here. Bring a broom and a box. And I just scooped it all up off the street. And then I, I reached out to the Red Wings. I was like, I have an idea. One person's trash is another person's treasure. Absolutely. And how can we do this so that it's mutually beneficial? You know, I, I know that we're a small business here in Detroit. And I, I know how the, kind of the sports world works. But I was like, what if we did something that would, that would also benefit the Red Wings Foundation? Um, and that's so similar to what we did with the train station to benefit the Ford Foundation. And, and they had picked three local uh, charitable partners kind of around the train station, which I thought was brilliant um, to, to benefit from the jewelry sales. And, and similar, we did something similar with the Pistons. And so it's just finding those partnerships and finding cool things that, ha that mean something to people. I think that that's also such a, a cool thing. If we can have something that, that reminds people of a certain time or, or has some happy 
bondness connected to it. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, that market's been around for a long time. It's just it's just been very basic. It's like buy the old seats right. at the Joe Louis versus buy a cool piece of jewelry made from the ashes of Joe Louis. So yeah, speak. and it's the same level of symbolism, just a lot prettier to look at. Exactly, and you can and wear it every day. And doesn't get mad when you put it in the man's cave, right? I mean, exactly. All good things. Absolutely. Everybody wins. So I want to switch gears a little bit to talk about where we're sitting, right? So we're in this really cool establishment that I really can't put into words for people who are just listening. So we're basically sitting in what is a almost on a 200 plus, 200 year old? No, 100 year old. 100 year old? Yeah. Excuse me, 100 year old church that you completely gutted and renovated and is now this state of the art beautiful facility. Tell everybody what the heck happened here. Yeah, well, um, thank you for the kind words um, about the congregation. We, my husband and I live in the neighborhood, and um, when we first were looking over here, I would drive by, and it had been abandoned. So where are we? Tell everybody we're, where we're. We are in the Boston Edison Atkinson neighborhood. Okay. A historic neighborhood in Detroit, um, and, and it's at actually the, the epicenter of where the 67 Rebellion started and when we were driving by you know I would I said man that we didn't we didn't really have amenities over here actually you know you can still see the lots where businesses had burned to the ground um, or were so far damaged that they ended up tearing them down and I said wow just would be cool to have a gathering space to meet our neighbors you know what what could that look like I was like it'd be that place is perfect that church is perfect plus what is it's kind of what churches are, right? They're a gathering place. Um, and so I would, I tried so hard to find out the owners. Again, it had been abandoned, and I would write notes, and I would slide them under the door. I tried researching and calling. Um, the church had changed denominations a few times, so it was hard to, like, track down who had last been here. Um, and then I'll never forget, it was uh, 2016. I... I drove a different way home, which is rare. Again, you listen to your gut. My gut has guided me in weird ways, but my gut told me to take a different exit. There was no reason to do it. No construction, nothing. Um, and I took the Claremont exit to get home, and I drove by one day, and the doors of the church were wide open. And I called my husband, and mind you, I had a six-week-old in the car. It was eight weeks old. And anyway, he was, he was very, very young. And I called my husband, and I was like, I'm grabbing the baby, and I'm going in. He's like, oh, Amy. <laughs> wait for me. <laughs> well, Please, yeah, wait I was for like, me. no, I'm not waiting. I'm going. Um, you know, you typically just don't go in uh, abandoned places in Detroit with. Uh, I thought you were going to say you typically don't wait for your husband. You just oh, that, go that in. too, that too. He but, knows me well enough. I, um, and so he said, okay, I'm on my way. And I went in, and sure enough, there was a, a gentleman in here. And I said, are they getting the congregation back together? Because ideally, that's, you just want it to be used. And that would have made me happy, too. And he said, no, actually, the church just hired me to sell the building. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've been dreaming about it. Um, I'd like to buy it. And he said, great, let's have a conversation. And um, I ended up writing the church a letter. And I wanted them to know that we, weren't, we didn't have the plans to turn into a church. I just felt very strongly that I wanted to be transparent and understand like who we are, what our plans were, what our intentions were, because I want to be respectful of what this place was. And so I wrote the letter, and the uh, church uh, wrote back and, and said, no, actually, we love it. And then when we met at the closing, they said, this is actually what should be here right now. Um, and they, were, they actually came to our grand opening. Oh, they had a, several members sweet. come, so it was really... Uh, it, it was a cool story, but a long story. So that took us three and a half years to open. 
Uh, we opened March 6th of this year, only to be uh, shut down mostly from an executive order that would hit, what was that, like 11 days later? Yeah. So obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the elephant in the room, right? So you, you worked three and a half years on this business to get it up and running. It looks fantastic. You're opening the doors and the pandemic hits, right? Yeah. Which many would look at it and go, terrible luck, like that's really crappy. But to some degree, there's a silver lining to the story in my opinion, right? So you have this beautiful business in this incredibly resurgent neighborhood and you're starting to see what the, the, the congregation was all about, your neighborhood supporting you and being behind you, not just as a local business and a coffee shop, but way more than that. I mean, I could tell that from the first five minutes I walked in the door. Do you feel that, that this is like way more than just a business? Yeah, I do. This, we did this for the neighborhood, right? This is um, something that we believed in. We, gosh, even early on, even with our vision, we made sure we met with our neighbors and talked to them about it because we're nothing without our neighbors. And I also really wanted to be incredibly sensitive about where we are, too. You know, I, I recognize the privilege that we have, and, and we are, you know, white owners in what is a primarily historically black neighborhood and, and how do we make sure that we're we're doing everything right and being as sensitive as we can and and so it was super important for us to engage with our neighbors very early on um, and I think that 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 has certainly helped um, as we went through kind of this pandemic time where you know you open but it, it really has been our neighbors who've come in every day and and gotten their takeout order or they placed an order online and you know said you know we we've got you and that's been i'll probably cry about that too it's just it's been crying <laughs> on the show is totally acceptable uh, i'm such we've, a sap we've but... had multiple people cry on the show and <laughs> it's great so let it go no, yeah no I, we're we're very we're very fortunate and uh, you know i i just want to continue to make our neighborhood proud and I think you're going to do that. And I think it's going to pay dividends in the long run. I know you, I can just tell you're a long-term thinker versus in the moment. So um, shameless plug right now for anyone who hasn't been here. I want you to give them the address and tell them exactly what corners we're on because this place is incredible. And everybody who's listening needs to come out here and check this place out. Well, thank you. We are located at 9321 Rosa Parks Boulevard um, over in the historic Boston Edison Atkinson neighborhood. So we're right on the corner of Atkinson and Rosa Parks, which originally was 12th Street. Okay, and then the other shameless plug is for people who haven't seen this jewelry that Rebel Nell makes, where can they find this stuff besides the website? Yes, um, well, hopefully we have our retailers that are opening more and more. Um, there are safe ways to shop and support your local businesses. I would say certainly go to rebelnell.com to find a list of all of our retailers to see if there's someone that's close by that you can shop from. Um, and you can also follow us on social media um, at Rebel Nell Detroit on Facebook and Rebel Nell on Instagram. And these images are great. So you guys have to go check this stuff out. So last question I have for you before we get to my favorite part of every podcast, which is the mysterious lightning round. Oh, okay. I'm Put ready. You on your toes. What's next for you? Oh. You, you seem to always have like something in your back pocket. So what's next? Wow. Okay. What is next? Um, I, you know, I surviving a pandemic is is first and foremost not only for me for my family for everybody we employ at rebel now at the congregation just making sure that everybody's safe and healthy and that we can get through this i firmly believe we will get through this we are a resilient country but i do encourage everybody just wear your masks for a little bit longer please yeah. and we are wearing masks right now yes. as we're doing this podcast so just everyone who's listening socially distanced <laughs> masked podcast 
And, um, but I think it, it's next for me is just to, can, I think, you know, we have a couple of things in the works. We are uh, working on developing the building next door to the congregation to hopefully um, make this a, a little corner that uh, complements the work we did at the congregation, but also uh, adds another asset to um, the neighborhood. And then I really want to scale Rebel Nell. I really want it to become a nationally recognized brand that has a major impact. Very cool. I love that. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. The lightning round. Okay. Put your toes. I want just quick impulse. Here okay. we go. You ready? Your favorite old building in Detroit. Can it be the congregation? Well, it's <laughs> that you don't own. How about that? Um, uh, okay. Oh, shoot. Um, um, the parking garage over by um, Grand Circus. Okay. I like that. Favorite piece of personal jewelry? The signature pieces from Rebel Nell because I know who made it and their vision behind it. The favorite part of your day every day? Um, the hours before I go to bed um, where I'm able to actually spend a little time with my son, like present being present, um, and just kind of decompressing from the day. Okay. As a new budding entrepreneur, what's the advice you would give to you 10 years ago? Get an accountant early. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, your most memorable moment in Detroit thus far? Oh, there are so many. Ah, you know, back in the day, I broke into the Michigan Central Station. Um, that was very cool. And actually, that was, I did it with my friend Rex, and then I did it later as a first date with my now husband. Whoa. I showed him how to break in, and we climbed all the way to the top and had I'm a picnic. I'm sure statute of limitation, you're fine. I'm no sure, legal yeah, issues. So we're, we're good. <laughs> Yep, but that's that was your it. most memorable. Okay, yeah, I like it. Well, Amy, I think this has been incredibly enriching for me just to kind of hear your story, and I'm sure our audience loved getting a, just a little snapshot about who you are and what you're up to, which is really cool and really impactful for Detroit. So, from us to you, thank you for everything you're doing, and please, please keep it up. Thank you. Appreciate you telling our stories. Of course. So, for more information on Amy, as she mentioned, on either Rebel Nell or the congregation. Check it out at rebelnell.com or stop by the congregation at the address we talked about before. Super cool stuff. Check them out on Instagram or Facebook. Amazing, amazing impact in the city of Detroit. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the EXP DET podcast. Please make sure to write us a review or provide us some comments and feedback. If you want to hear what other amazing Detroiters are doing to reshape this city, check us out at expdet.com or you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook.